Welcome to 519 Connect, where the Windsor Police Service connects with members of our community. Let's talk. Let's have a conversation. Welcome to 519 Connect. I'm your host, Constable Jamie Ajete Nelson, Diversity Officer for the Windsor Police Service. And today's episode, I'm going to call it Information Technology, IT, IT, I'm it. <laughs> so today we have Kevin Crosgrove, um, a civilian in Windsor, and a little bit about Kevin. Kevin has worked as a community advocate for almost 20 years, helping others through involvement with the Windsor Police, community speaking, and classes focusing mainly on fraud prevention and online safety. Through his position in the IT field, he's noticed a continuing increase in people getting scammed online. In realizing that much of this could be prevented, Kevin got more involved with the community, bringing awareness regarding digital safety. This involvement led to developing classes for uh, seniors through Canterbury Elder College that are designed to protect some of the most vulnerable people in our community. The classes have been presented for several years and have been considered a success each semester. In 2021, most of the information from the class was consolidated into a publication that the community leaders helped fund. Thousands of copies were given out in the community for free. The book was well received in Windsor and Essex as it was written so that anyone could understand that sometimes the digital world can be confusing. So Kevin, thank you for being on today. Glad to be here. It's uh, definitely a big topic that's getting a lot of interest lately. Uh, I'm not sure... Uh, the why it's uh, suddenly picked up after doing it for several years, and you know maybe people are just uh, COVID tired of hearing it in the news and want to focus on something else, or it's just uh, it is addressing that big need where people are getting scammed more often, and it's it's definitely come to light. Well, you know, you you speak of COVID and the last few years, everything has moved online. Uh, absolutely. It's, yeah, uh, it's been a big change because uh, uh, even during COVID, what we've ended up with is uh, is parents or employees, uh, workers, kids, students. Everybody's doing all this stuff from home, so they don't have that same uh, IT support they would, uh, you know, while they're at school or while they're in their workplace. So uh, a lot of this stuff, um, people are kind of, you know, fudging their way through and trying to figure all this out, and they definitely are intimidated about a lot of it. Yeah, and that intimidation comes from sometimes getting comfortable and, you know, that moment where you get scammed. Absolutely. Um, you could be the most comfortable with, with um, the Internet and what's going on there. You could be the least comfortable, but you can still fall into some of those uh, the situations where you're being, you're being frauded for yeah. something. And, and that, that um, part of that information is exactly what people kind of need to know. It's uh, uh, the people getting scammed and the stuff happening online. It's a great equalizer doesn't matter if you're an IT guy or someone's grandmother or um, you're working at a company in an IT department. People are getting hacked regardless of, of even some of the stuff that, uh, that I put in place. You know, you want to have a certain level of safety. Um, but, you know, just like locking your door at night is a reasonable degree of safety. There are situations that someone just takes your door. So uh, people need to understand that, you know, you can still get hacked, um, but... Doing reasonable stuff prevents those um, crimes of convenience, as it's, it's called in, in police world. Stuff that can just stop the average guy is most of the time going to be good enough for the average person. Yeah, that that is so true. And 
you know, today's episode, we're not here to, to make people feel uncomfortable. We're no, going to know the exact opposite. Yeah, we're going to we're going to talk about some some things and we're not going to get above people's head because no. I'm not the greatest at it. But I, I also, you know, have those those different feelings towards technology. But, you know, we're just here to inform and uh, show some of the things we're doing in the community. And speaking of that, there is the publication that I mentioned in uh, introducing you uh, digital safety for the non tech savvy. Um, so how did that come about? Um, it's, uh, like I said, uh, for years, the classes that we've done with Elder College, uh, there was always handouts and stuff, and the stuff that always clicked with the, um, uh, the senior population doing it. Uh, we also noticed a, a connection there with just reaching out to the rest of the community because it wasn't that it was written to talk down to elderly people. It was written to be understandable, uh, not a bunch of techno babble or, or whatever else, and um, because the information was accessible and kind of making that light bulb go off for a lot of people, we took all that and kind of put it together. And uh, uh, once industry uh, or once the community people started seeing that this really does have a big effect and it's made in a presentable way, yeah, everybody from uh, yourselves with Windsor Police, the, the mayor's office, WFCU was a major sponsor of this as well, uh, because they could see that this can actually make a big difference. Um, there's there's lots of uh, help stuff online and there's videos and there's all that kind of stuff. But if that was already accessible to everybody, then everybody would know this stuff already. So we, we really focused on making something a little bit different. And obviously we pulled it off because everybody loves it, which is you know very humbling for me because I, I've been doing the same message year after year. So it, this suddenly getting that traction that it did, uh, it's phenomenal. That's exactly what we wanted is to get the message out to more people. Um, hitting 30 or so people or doing a lecture here and there, it's just not getting enough people to, you know, even for Windsor-Essex, we're dealing with 400,000 people. Um, doing 30, 40 people at a time is, is just not getting this out quick enough. Yeah, uh, the the importance of using technology to get the message out is important even though it's uh, a place that can create some fear for people. Um, there's nothing like going online and pressing that help button and it sends you from one place to another. Yeah, and in loop. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're dealing with credit cards versus your bank and um, consolidating it, having it in one area, that is the start of getting that anxiety. It's like, oh, I don't have to look in 80 different places. Yeah, that, well, it, it is kind of funny. I have been a technician for a while. I'm actually a certified technician, but... Um, I do less tech work lately uh, as the years keep going. Of course, as we get older, you know, you kind of shift some of the work off to younger people. But um, aside from that, it's more dealing with the people themselves. So uh, honestly, I'm less tech work lately and more of a computer counselor for relationships with their owners. <laughs> there it is. You, yeah. might, you might have your own Netflix special because yeah. it's all about those relationships. And, it is. And it is. I sit them both down together and, you know, we, we get them to talk it out, <laughs> realize it's not as intimidating as it needs to be. And uh, I, I kind of equate that to a lot of people that um, uh, there's always a funny thing that we, any computer place or any computer service place, they always see the same thing. People will walk in, and the first thing they say is, I'm not very tech savvy. And, and of course, on the other side of the desk, we're, we're kind of finding that a little curious because you don't do that when you go to the doctor. <laughs> you know, I'm not yeah. very medical savvy or uh, same thing. You go to a garage. It's like, you know, I don't, I'm not a mechanic. But there, there's that, uh, that anxiety that people seem to have um, that they don't know enough about this stuff. 
And, and we see that uh, being expressed every day when we're dealing with people um, that need to state that, you know, I, I'm not sure I know what I'm doing, but here's the computer to work on. And any other kind of service industry, you don't have that kind of introduction when the person comes in with a problem. So obviously people are looking at this stuff different. Um, they get really intimidated with this stuff and, you know, somebody who drives their car every single day for the past 30 years, and you ask them, you know, how do you change the compression ratio on your car? And they say, I don't know. It ain't happening. But they don't, they don't care that they don't know that information. When it comes to computer stuff, people are over-focused on what they don't know and really get anxious about it and think that they're behind everybody else or that this is all too dangerous or too big to know about. And a lot of it really isn't. And, you know, some of the classes, lectures, uh, the book, it addresses that and kind of brings it down to a level where people, you know, just have a better understanding. And that, that's probably why it's had the success it's had. Yeah, you know, you talk about people in their vehicles and their cars. Mm-hmm. They, they hear a noise, the engine light comes on. You know, they don't freak out. They no, they, no. they ask questions. Yes. And I think that's what uh, will get rid of some of that anxiety or that digital anxiety you have is, is asking questions. I always say there's, uh, there is no stupid, uh, question, you know, if it's looking to, to support you, the, the answer you might get, you might not like it, but mm-hmm. it's, it's there to release some of that anxiety. You have information is power and you, you don't know, have to know the nuts and bolts, but how it's going to affect you and how it can That's help right. it's you. Just the basic information to be functional in what you're doing is usually enough in any other topic. The anxiety, that is a major part with um, adults and with seniors. Um, you know, And the funny thing is that, that people have uh, a lot of misconceptions when it comes to this stuff. One of the biggest ones is you know, about how the uh, kid down the street always knows more than you and all that kind of stuff. The only thing he's good at is he can look up stuff on Google. He's yep. <laughs> really good at that. He doesn't know more than you, but he will click menus. He'll click things and see what they do and everything else. So we have more parents that come to us with a broken computer that their kid has messed up with that uh, overconfidence than we do with somebody bringing in their elderly parent's computer that they messed up because they're afraid of uh, actually clicking anything at all. So the we got to kind of bridge that gap and find a center point somewhere in there. Yeah. I don't know if anyone heard that, but that's exciting. We're at our training branch right now where we're filming, and I believe our, our bomb unit is out there uh, doing some training. So <laughs> I love how you, you, you should be a police officer. You were yeah, calm just, and cool when you when you had that, and, <laughs> and that's how you, you want people to feel um, with, with technology. Um, and fraud has evolved, you yes. know. Before it was that person coming to your door and you having to write it down to give it to them, you know, the gift of gab and... And, and things like that, and and it's it's moved. Um, can you talk about some of that evolution, how it's gone from a guy with a sheet of paper asking you for all your information to now it's digitally in front of you? Well, the, the same metrics that are being used by Google or Facebook or any other online company, um, they're seeing this as a fast, cheap, easy way to reach the most people. You know, So for me to put out an ad and spend a certain amount of money, um, I can do that with a couple billboards or I can do it with 50,000 people all at once uh, just with a simple Facebook ad that cost me five bucks. It's making everything more accessible um, for businesses to reach their customers and that same metric is what's at play with scammers reaching their customers. Um, 
a lot of the scams that go out in emails, the stats show there's like a million emails that go out for every one they might get a response on. So if that industry is making billions every year, that's got to tell you how many emails are going out. And, and same thing with the fraud phone calls and everything else. There's only a small percentage of people that will actually talk to them. There are a lot of people who just hang up, uh, whether they're, you know, a little more tech savvy or they just don't want to talk to somebody calling them. You know, not everybody actually answers those calls. And still that industry is able to make billions worldwide every year. So that tells you something about the amount of numbers that must be going out to get that kind of response back. So it's it's an over flood of it. Um, they'll just send out thousands of emails or put a robo dialer on the phone and it'll just dial and dial and yeah. dial. And when they get somebody that says press one to speak to an operator, you know, then they'll actually jump in. But they'll go through hundreds, if not thousands of calls before that even happens. So it, it's just efficiency is, is what it's given it broader reach. Yeah. And I feel like it's it cycles around. It, um, it's different. It's phone calls. It's it's emails. Yes. Um, th- th- there's no one way to do it. And a lot of times when I deal with people in these situations, they feel like they're individually being targeted by someone in the neighborhood. Yeah. You know, someone's coming to their house. It, it can happen locally. Of course, uh, we all know uh, anecdotes and stories are cases of stuff that is local where um, – with uh, talking with um, Officer Briscoe uh, with uh, Crime Stoppers. Uh, there was one of the stories that she had told me about uh, a local resident. They received a phone call that it's from immigrations, yep. and they have to come down right away and deal with it. Not She didn't actually leave the house to go deal with it. And within 20 minutes of the phone call, we got people walking around the house, knocking on the back door to see if anybody's home. So stuff can get down to a local level. Most of the stuff that we encounter, though, is just um, sheer mass volume from overseas. Or um, it does also come from Canada and the U.S. as well. But, of course, everybody kind of mentally associates a lot of these scams with call centers in India. But that's definitely not the... Oh, no. It's it's, ev- it's, it's everywhere. everywhere. Everyone's really getting is. involved in this, um, you know, the, this, I don't want to call it an art, but an art of scamming people. It is. Hi, my name is Ed Armstrong. I'm the Inspector of Professional Advancement with the Windsor Police Service. With this position, I oversee our training branch, community services, as well as recruitment. As you know, Windsor is one of the most diverse communities in Canada. With that being said, our goal is to ensure that our police service represents our community. If you know anyone from your community that believes in our core values and will be an asset to our organization and serve the community with honor and service, The Windsor Police Service is currently accepting applications for the position of cadet. We encourage you to have them apply. Although patrol and ensuring the safety of our community is our number one priority, the Windsor Police Service offers different departments that may interest you. To name a few, our Major Crimes Branch, our Forensic Identification Unit, Emergency Services Unit, and our Marine Unit. Which one interests you? So you want to know how to become a cadet? Simply visit our website at windsorpolice.ca under the career tab or visit 
oacpcertificate.ca. I'm sitting at my desk waiting to see your application. don't want to make people feel bad because they think it's it's just them and they feel like you know like we talk about those anxieties and sometimes it affects people's mental health where they you know they they feel less of a person they feel stupid and it's affecting their family life um you know what are some some tips um you know just right off the get-go to kind of get that i always say that that alert going on in someone's head say by from a phone call because we do a lot of phone calls all the time um you know people giving information giving money what what are some things from a phone call you mentioned some already um you pick up the phone and it says press one yes yes yeah this is microsoft calling or uh we notice your google listing isn't high enough Uh, there's there's all kinds of scams and they change the story all the time but the mechanics behind it are always the same Uh, you know we're going back and People kind of joke about the um, uh, Nigerian Prince scam. Well, that was actually a real scam from quite a long time ago, and the mechanics of it is still mechanics that's used now. They've just changed the story behind it. Um, but whether it's um, Canada Revenue calling or it's, um, uh, they say it's law enforcement or immigration or it's Microsoft or uh, Norton or McAfee because your computer's infected, uh, the first thing a lot of people need to realize is these companies don't call you at home. Nope. Uh, they, they don't do that at all. And uh, if it's something where people feel um, it, it's possible that this might be a real call, they, you know, they might actively be doing something with immigrations. All of a sudden they get a call from a scammer saying they're immigrations. You know, the two and two together can kind of lead into people getting scammed. Regardless of who they say they are, whether it's the police or the government or Canada Revenue or Immigrations or Microsoft, um, or even just your bank, you, you know, they're calling to say there's something wrong with your credit card. And of course, w- when it's a scammer, they're asking you for your card yep. number. <laughs> but that's, um, that's kind of the thing that uh, people need to be aware of. If there's even the possibility the call is real, hang up, call them yourself on yes. a phone number you have on the back of your credit card or yes. a, a phone number that's listed somewhere that you can rely on and say, hey, you know, I just got this call. Is there actually a problem with my account? It's that easy. Um, you know, even if it's the police calling and, you know, you say, I'll, I'll call you back. There isn't an officer I've ever met that would be upset at somebody saying that. And same thing with the banks or credit cards. They're not going to get mad at you for you being suspicious and being a little cautious and hanging up and calling them back on a number you already have. Uh, anybody who's legitimate is not going to be mad about that. Uh, without a doubt, the scammers will start getting a little aggressive when you start to start doing that kind of stuff. And, and that's also a, a key um, red flag right there is that, you know, it's, if it's actually your bank calling or can't, they're not going to start uh, bashing you on the phone. Yeah, It's not you really part of their customer service model. So um, you do have to realize that uh, certain things and certain uh, um, key behaviors it's probably not your actual bank calling, and you can weed that stuff out pretty well. Um, but knowing that these people aren't going to call you is, is definitely one of the messages we try to get out because a lot of people don't know. They don't know that Canada Revenue might not call you or immigration might not, uh, especially with new Canadians. They're yes. intimidated over here. They're not sure 
you know, they didn't grow up in our legal system or social system. Uh, they're not familiar with all the different ways that uh, stuff like this should happen. So getting a call from immigration saying you have to pay fines with a PayPal card or, you know. Google money, they, yeah, Apple exactly. money, Sephora cards. That's right. So they could be intimidated into that just as easily as anybody else. And um, so just the information that these people wouldn't call you in the first place definitely needs to get out. But regardless of who it is or there might be a suspicion, there is a real a problem with your, your credit card. Call them. Give them a call back and check into your account. That's the easiest way to kind of provide that safety net for yourself that you're actually dealing with the real people instead of somebody just saying that they're from your bank. Yeah, so there it is. You're not going to get a phone call from uh, Canada Revenue, immigration, um, you know, even the police. Yeah. That, that's one thing. Um, call them back. Another thing is some, they're really good at what they do, these they scammers. Are. They're, yes. they're going to... The longer they keep you on the line, the, the more they're getting you. Um, it um, bullcrap uh, baffles brains. That's right. That's what. That's what. So they just keep feeding you more and more information that you might not understand. But it, it usually gets to a point where they want you to pay them for their services. Yes. I'll tell you this, people: we police officers do not want your money to to get out of any crime. Okay. Hang up. Call us. We don't want your money. Immigration doesn't want your Sephora cards or your Google money. That, that's not what they want. I, I think people forget that mail is still one of the ways that everyone contacts us. Especially the government, absolutely. Yeah, yeah they, it's going to be mail. The police, we're going to show up to your house if there's a warrant for your arrest. It's and, always and that's, that that's one. The, kind of the, I even mentioned that in the classes or and even the book. It is kind of a funny aspect of some of their threats and things that intimidate people is you know uh, calling ahead of time to warn you of an impending arrest unless you pay a fine. Well, I can't imagine any law enforcement being really effective telling the criminals that we're on our way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it would kind of diffuse things a little bit. It, it would. And, and I, I see that, um, like we talk about newcomers, they might come from a place where, you know, things are that, handled that like that. That might be possible. Yeah, that you're might right. be possible. Might and, be possible. Um, you know, that's part of our community engagement as, um, as police officers or community service is letting them know we are not about that. That's right. We we are a service. We are taking we are taking care of, and we are here to take care of you. At no point do we we want any money for you. And you know it's battling that adage of what people are seeing on TV, what they're bringing from home. And I think your your book brings that into play. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you're looking to expand on this book? Like it's been very well recepted in Windsor and Essex. Um, where else has this spanned out to? And and what it. What do you think it can do? I am just blown away at some of the places I've heard back from or gotten an email about. Um, I actually seen a mention in a blog in Australia about it. Uh, there was a, um, a university in Vancouver that uh, emailed me about getting some copies. So it, it's definitely getting a wide, wide reception. Um, as far as our next move, um, we made some of the information, or not some, most of the information, not just accessible, but almost timeless which is a really hard thing to do with with technology stuff mm. um so we'll just for an example we'll get into details about you know how to manage your passwords and stuff in your google account and stuff like that but if we got down to those specifics of click here go to this menu do this within 24 hours it's been updated and every menu's been changed but giving it's that old you know uh, uh, give a person a fish uh, kind of mentality. If I went into those kind of specifics, it would already be 
outdated within a month or two months of most of the information, but we go with the concepts and teach people what they can look for, what, you know, they should be able to see in some of this stuff, and um, even a little bit of confidence to go and find it. Um, that confidence thing is is definitely something I address, uh, um, again, every talk and every, every class that I teach. Uh, one of the big things that we, uh, you know, it's that broken record thing. Um, we'll talk about, uh, you know, if there's a problem with your bank card and you don't know what the PIN is, well, it's not a big panic situation. You'll go to the bank and take care of it. But when you kind of dissect that scenario, you don't know who you're going to speak to. You don't know which till you're going to sit at or what computer they're going to use or software they're going to use to fix your PIN. But at the same time, if I told someone, go change the password on their Google, they'd look at you like you just shot them. So mm. that anxiety is definitely a major part of the problem and it's something that we try to address with how that book is written to kind of make that information accessible but non-specific and outdated within just a little while yeah that's it timeless is key because i think you said it earlier the, um, the the different stories they tell you to get your money it's the same stories told in a different way but yeah. they're looking for the same data it, it is your it name is the same. your social insurance um the last three digits of your uh, your credit card on the back of your card, just uh, all that. They're looking for the same things, but they're going to tell you this this HBO level story that's so believable. They are good to you. at what they do. Yeah, it, the the stories are, are unreal, and uh, it, it's hard to tell someone not to feel ashamed about it. it yes. It's you know that counseling aspect, and we spoke about it before. Absolutely, um, the the victim or your parents or things like that. It's you have to, once it happens, it's happened. And, and how you deal with it after can really affect how they move forward in, in technology and in life and with their family. So where do we go? How do we approach, um, you know, you, you've taught these classes. What, what are some of the things you say to them? And even, you know, the students you teach. Um, it's definitely, like I, like I mentioned even at the beginning today, it, it's, it's an equalizer. It, it doesn't matter what... Uh, um, you know, level of computer use you have or what your age is, or even if you work in IT, you're, you can still get hacked. And knowing that, I, I think, lets people feel a little more comfortable and uh, provides an assurance that as a victim, literally like other crimes, it's not their fault. Um, these guys are good at what they do. Um, they study metrics just as much as Google does. You think that the overall crime industry with scams and online scams and Bitcoin fraud, this is billions. Mm -hmm. So if you think of any corporation that's going to make billions, they put a lot of research and time and effort and training and studying data, uh, statistics. The criminals are looking at this stuff just as much. We've had Internet in the home for you know 20 years now. There's a lot of data to be gathered on how people behave and... The scammers will use that and letting people know that you're up against somebody who's professional that can get other professional people scammed. It's not just you. You're, it's not your fault for you're not stupid. You're not, you know, too old to learn this stuff. It's um, definitely something where people need that, that psychological aspect of it as well because, um, you know, after you get uh, um, some of your social media accounts hacked or bank accounts hacked, there's that same anxiety that people feel after that kind of crime that people feel when their house is broken into. So there is a definitely a bigger psychological factor in this that um, 
trying to start getting addressed in the community as well. And we'll work on that part uh, just as well as giving the technical side of it. But uh, definitely letting people know that this isn't their fault is a really big, important message to get all this taken care of. Yeah, it, you know, you talk about it, and I can see you working with collaborating so many different organizations within our city, um, you know, for, whether it's newcomers to mental health and, and talking on, on those issues and, you know, even gaining some insight on, you know, where, where to go um, after, after something happens because that, that's where um, we see a lot of the stress happen with people. Where do they go? Sometimes, you know, in, in our profession, people wait days you know, because uh, whether it's embarrassment or whatever, or they just don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, and at all levels, like you said, it's a billion-dollar organization. That's why training happens at all levels. We still, as a police service, get training on, you know, emails and those things because even we can be hacked. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There, there's no no one that's off limits to these guys. And uh, it is unfortunate, and, you know, I don't want to add to, you know, people throwing on a tinfoil hat or anything, but... You know, even people that are at a high level of IT or working in a, within a um, company in the IT department, companies can get hacked too. So it's definitely that message isn't to be more paramount. It's it's more about making people feel that they're not to blame. Yes. You know, somebody who is even good at this stuff can still get hacked as well. But again, like a, a lot of messages and public service messages and stuff with the police and the community is getting this stuff out of the way that those crimes of convenience. If you can stop those, you can stop most of the stuff. Um, the, the guy who just uh, took down Sony and uh, another computer company, NVIDIA, just a couple weeks ago, mm. you're not going to stop him. But you're going to stop a lot of other people who are just trying to get your Facebook account or get your email or, or get those kind of things. So putting that kind of diligence in that isn't difficult and not anxiety-inducing those are the important things to at least do. Yeah, it's it's important. I always tell people um, you can cease communication because they're just looking to, to pull you in and, and keep you talking, keep you talking. I always tell you can stop your social media for a little bit yeah. and gather your thoughts and, and always call. I always say call the police. Yeah, absolutely. Call us. Um, whether we're going to help you over the phone or in person, um, let us relieve some of that anxiety when it comes to technology. And we're not all the most tech savvy, but, you know, when we have um, partnerships like this mm -hmm. where we can draw on that information, like I, I saw this publication before we even got you on the show and I said, this is great yeah. because it's assisting me. You know, it's always where can we send people to get that, that support? Um, build that confidence. And I think that's where in anything where we're an organization, police, you as yourself is providing information to empower people to, to feel like they can walk in their own shoes because yeah. technology is here. It is not going anywhere. That's right. Um, but it's not to be afraid of. It's, it's no, set up no. to help us. Uh, it definitely it can. And the anxiety level, that big thing that you guys take care of, that um, you know the other organizations I work with take care of, that anxiety about just your day-to-day -day life, whether it's, you know, feeling safe walking to the park or, you know, uh, trying to do your online banking. You want to feel that, you know, our citizens are actually at a comfort level and not uh, hiding in the basement all the time. So, yeah, it's definitely a focus of just about every organization that we work with together on, and uh, it is a big, big part of it. Uh, but letting people just take a deep breath once in a while with this stuff, it, it's not as intimidating as, uh, as they feel it is. 
And yeah. So usually, uh, usually what is better after you know a, a talk or a class or even sitting down one and one with uh, somebody who was a victim to some of this stuff is at least getting them to feel a little bit better about that this isn't their fault. And, and I know that's a repeating message. Uh, you know, especially with uh, police or victim services. You know, there's a lot of crimes where the people who do it are focused on doing the crime. And unless you're spending your days keeping up on this stuff and doing a 40-hour week at learning how to defend against it, you're up against somebody who is spending a 40-hour week learning how to scam you. So the big message of it's not your fault is a universal message with a lot of this stuff. It's not your fault, and there is help. Yes. That, those are two big messages. Yeah. But uh, you, you've actually um, uh, you kind of topped on something. People aren't sure that um, you know there is even the right kind of help or whatever else, but that embarrassment level um, in talking with the anti-fraud center, um, for example, like with um, romance scams online, mm-hmm. you know, there's only a 1% reporting on, on that even happening. Uh, because people are just embarrassed that they got scammed or maybe what they were saying back and forth online to somebody is kind mm. of a little private or, or whatever else. And so a lot of these scams don't even get reported in the first place. They're either embarrassed or, uh, um, especially with elderly, and that's that's another problem. You have elderly people and uh, they end up getting scammed. They won't tell anybody because they're afraid their adult children will take away some of their rights or take away their bank accounts, stuff like that, that they're not mentally capable anymore. So there's there's family dynamics involved, and, you know, whether it's uh, trying to tell your wife you just got scammed for 15000 in Bitcoin or trying to tell your adult children about that or even uh, um, what we even see is with um, young adults, their first time out in their own apartment or they're away for school, and they can get intimidated by law enforcement uh, fraud or uh, somebody claiming their government. They're just as likely as a senior to get scammed. So they don't want to tell their parents that they just lost that kind of money or whatever else. So there is a lot of uh, embarrassment or worry about the fallout or, or anything else that prevents a lot of this stuff getting reported, as well as them not knowing if there's even help out there afterwards. Yeah, I... You know, you talk about families and, you know, children growing off and things and, and becoming their own person. Um, you know, we talk up, you talk to your kids about, you know, safety, talk to them about financial literacy. Mm-hmm. I think this, this book, Digital Safety for the Non-Tech Savvy, should be a table talk with your children, Absolutely. right? You know, growing up, um, navigating, this is something that it's going to be a part of your life. And you know, how, so how do we get, you know, people get this this book like well, where where is it going to be or how can they advocate for them to have it in their organizations well right now we're just kind of getting at the tail end of that last release with all the funds that was provided by everybody in the community and it was phenomenal like we even had this out in the libraries to be given out to the public um so we're kind of running down on copies there still is some available i wouldn't say we're out of it uh, the police have some uh, elder college with uh, canterbury and the university of windsor they still have some and um, I believe there's a small supply still available at PC Outfitters. Um, but we are definitely looking at having a reprint again because of the success in the community. And uh, one of the things we're definitely going to focus on is, is different languages for new Canadians. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to get in into translations for different languages. And uh, we're even looking at having this in Braille um, because sight-impaired people People don't think about it, but this technology and being connected and using assistive devices, that's part of their day-to-day life. 
So this message getting to even sight-impaired people is really, really important. So we're focusing on, of course, as a nonprofit. Uh, yeah. we're, we're focusing on getting funds again to uh, have a bigger release of this to reach even more people. All right. So, so how do they reach out to you or the organizations doing this? And I, I think it's important, like you talk about funding, and I think this is something we need. You know, there's people out there who are going to hear this and be like, we need more of this. And they have connections because we talk about collaborating and, you know, through meetings like this or in the community, how, you know, things like this skyrocketed because there was a few organizations that came together. How can, you know, organizations that that deal with, um, you know, languages, Braille, you know, how do they reach out to you? Right now, um, either uh, between, I would say, Windsor Police and with uh, Elder College with uh, Canterbury, uh, reaching out to them and the either community service and, and requesting uh, uh, more information about stuff like this or what's possible next time or um, if we even are available to go out and do a talk with somebody or same thing with the university. If we can reach out to them, um, we can see about getting more copies out to the community. Um, so I would, I would directly contact Canterbury or uh, the, with Windsor Police. So that, that's definitely going to be the two areas I would probably recommend. Uh, I wear a lot of different hats with different organizations. So uh, trying to get to me directly um, it is kind of hard to do sometimes other than giving out yeah. my personal information. Oh, um, yeah. Don't so, worry. We, you yeah. can take care of you uh, at <laughs> Windsor Police. You know, reach out um, to our, our Windsor Police, our, our info. Uh, go on our website and, you know, see if if you're an organization you know looking how to support this this project because you know we talk about different languages we talk about you know how can this be more inclusive to our community and this information uh, impacts so many so uh you can w- reach out to the windsor police service um and you know working with you kevin it's been great thank you so much for coming on our show today oh, um you really you really put a lot of insight into how digital safety is important and how to uh, get less digital anxiety. I, I feel like yes. you need to coin that term, it, digital it, anxiety. It, I might copyright it. Right. <laughs> we'll, we'll look at that. Uh, actually, something for yourselves uh, with Windsor Police supporting the community and getting this out. Uh, it's even on uh, your your front page at the Windsor Police website. So right from the front page, there's a link to the book, and it's accessible right from there as a digital copy, of course. There you go, on our Windsor Police website. It's there to start to, you know, to learn, uh, to support. Um, Thank you for coming on. Uh, This is 519 Connect, uh, another great episode. You can find us on uh, most of your major platforms. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and check us out on our Windsor Police YouTube page. Thank you, 519 Connect.